Hello, this is uh, Her Moment in History, the podcast. I'm Grace. I'm Michelle. Welcome back. back. It's been a long time since we've recorded an episode. But you won't know that. No. Because we've been releasing. We did have like a two month hiatus. Yeah, and that's, yeah, then this is the first time that we're recording an episode after that. So, yeah. yeah. Getting back in the swing of it though. And we've managed to pick the hottest day, I think, in... It recorded history. In the year. <laughs> yeah. It's sweltering outside. Yes, so... But we, we're so dedicated, we'll melt through it. <laughs> uh-huh. Like a candle. What? <laughs> Melting through the heat. <laughs> I don't think... Like a candle, candles yeah. Candles don't have much choice in the matter, though, do they? It's not like they can, like... Well, neither do we. We can't change the weather outside. No, but we could have, like, put off the episode. I think the, the, the point is we're not putting it off. We're enduring... We're choosing to That's melt true. through. Yeah. <laughs> right. Practically, we're martyrs. <laughs> yeah, practically. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Um, so, <laughs> this week's uh, episode, we're doing sport. So, quite a broad term. Yep. And you said that you then had a bit of information you want to start with. Yes. It's about the first documented women's sporting mm-hmm. event. Which is, we want to take a guess at what century. Are we talking like recorded as in like first written down? Or it's sorry, there's a yeah. plane going over right now. I don't know whether it's being picked up. Okay, so I'm gonna guess 16th century? No. Nope. Later or earlier? Earlier. Earlier, okay. 13th. No. no. Earlier? Add. Oh, wait, no, almost 2,000 years. <laughs> wait, what? Okay, when was it then? 6th century BCE. <gasps> Whoa! I was thinking like yeah, ancient Greek. It was gonna be much later. So did I, to be mm. honest. But then I thought the Olympics, because the ancient. Ah, uh, yeah. Mhm. But it wasn't the Olympics. It was. Was, the, was it the Hera Games? I read. Yeah, yeah. the I think it's Heraian. Oh, okay. Heraian. I don't know how you pronounce. It. But yeah, and which was basically. For young girls, and they'd like compete in a foot race. A, a what race? I'm guessing it's just foot race. So running. Yeah, <laughs> they just phrased it like the foot race. <laughs> well, I didn't know in case it was something else. Well, now so we're gonna have to refer to running as the foot race. Cycling will be the wheel race. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what would skiing be? The, the board race. I mean, skis are the thing, aren't they? The ski race, I guess. The snow race. The snow, yeah, just the downhill plummeting race. Or the the Benjamin's <laughs> Benjamin's race. <laughs> <laughs> but then, what would hopscotch be? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the ancient Greek festival mm-hmm. of Horea. Horea, don't know. And it was, it's thought to be held around the same time the Olympics were. Mm-hmm. It was also in Olympia. Oh, but only. So yeah. it's basically like alongside. It was just a separate one for women. Kind hmm. of, but only young unmarried women were allowed to compete. That differs from every other kind of bias against women. Usually, it's like you have to be of a certain age and married and have sacrificed. Well, there are three separate age categories. Okay, but they don't know the ages. They just know there was three categories. But I don't quite know how you'd know that if you don't know. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm imagining a two-year-old, a six-year-old, and a ten-year-old. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, a two-year-old, you know, just stand up on the starting line. It's basically whoever falls over the furthest. But it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then it gets better because the winner mm-hmm. is awarded a crown of olive leaves, Ooh. a portion of cow, Ooh. which would be sacrificed to Hera, and... They could dedicate statues inscribed with their name to Hera. But none of the statues survived. Oh, wait, then how do they know about them? I don't know. I guess someone might have written about them. Well, it's like the Alexandria Library. Yeah. That didn't survive, but we know stuff that was in No, still one of the greatest losses. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Context. Context. (laughs) Wow, that was ages ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Me. Tell me your piss. Okay, so I still actually have a little bit of like, information. So I kind of. Can I guess the sport? I mean, you can. I don't think. I mean. Is it an odd sport? It's not odd. 
I, I really appreciate that you thought I was going to pick an odd sport. <laughs> oh, me, me. Because, yeah. uh... Is it extreme frisbee? It wasn't extreme frisbee, no. Is it called extreme? Ultimate frisbee. Ultimate And I'm actually oddly good at that, which is, like, very, very strange. <laughs> no, any more guesses or was like extreme frisbee is it log rolling log rolling no i i think you're thinking like too outside the box you need to think more okay. inside the box think very american is it oh baseball yes it is baseball do you know any female baseball players honestly i didn't think female there was female baseball players which i kind of hate and now i think well about that's it. i shall be talking about so wonderful <laughs> So I kind of have a bit of back information. So up about the 1860s, sport was almost completely dominated by men, like all sport. What was it? Right. And, <laughs> but around that time, women were like competing for the first time in sport and things like that and having sports teams. Mm-hmm. But the women that were doing it were only really providing eye candy for men. So it wasn't, yeah, no one kind of took it seriously as a sport. Mm-hmm. So then around the turn of the century women actually started like playing properly and some some like men and women were then forming like teams together so that then the, the it would be taken seriously so the person i've done um was uh, jackie mitchell i want to say i know who it okay. is but i don't think i, I could do. see the cogs trying to work in your brain there as you were trying to work it out don't worry because i was thinking jackie O. who's that i don't okay. know um <laughs> uh but and Oh, Sandra O. Oh. oh, that sorry. The actress. <laughs> yeah, but there's someone called Jackie O there as is, well. There's also so Karen sure. O. So many so, O's. So many O's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Jackie wasn't the first female baseball player, but she was <laughs> definitely very important. Okay, so why? So I shall tell you. Oh. So she was born <laughs> on August 29th of 1913. Ooh, okay, that's you can't the year after mine. The year after yours. <laughs> yes. The year. So they were alive at the same time. Oh, they were. Oh, that's very exciting. Okay, so she was born. They might have met. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> well, yeah. No, and then we'll find a great picture and it'll be both of them together. I I don't think they would have met. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... Maybe you don't know. <laughs> she was born as. Vern Beatrice Mitchell Gilbert, uh, in oh, just all the names in Tennessee, in I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Chittanagoona, which is a place to Vernwall Mitchell and Dr Joseph Mitchell. So she, when she learned to walk, apparently her dad used to take her to the baseball diamond and taught her the basics of the game as well. So it was basically like basically Ooh. as soon as she could, the game started for her. And the neighbour, who was a minor leaguer, a future uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, Dazzy Vance, taught her house pitch. So she had a Ooh. lot of, you know, support in it. So skip a bit... Privilege. Well, I guess, yeah, a little bit. It's who you know. So skip a little bit to when mm-hmm. she was 17 and she was playing for like a local women's team. And also attended like a baseball camp in Georgia, and there she was scouted by the owner of the Chattanooga Lookouts, which is a baseball team, Ooh. and uh, he signed her in March 1931. Okay, Ooh. so she appeared in her first game in April 2nd that year. The second woman to play organised baseball behind Lizzie Arlington in 1898. So she was the second woman to play. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, so is it on a team with men or I assume so. in a women's team? Oh. The Chattanooga Lookouts, I think, were a men's team. It's very odd that, I don't know, we don't have mixed gender sports. I, yeah, because like, tennis is, if you play mix, isn't it? Yeah. But other than that, I can't actually think of any, unless I'm just being mm-hmm. really naive. I mean, you did break your hand when you played basketball. <laughs> that was that was because they use a different size ball. <laughs> but yes, I I did, yeah, yeah, both of them. So this then led the team to be slandered. So yeah, it would have been with men. And an article wrote that the Yankees will meet a club here, 
and had a girl pitcher named Jackie Mitchell who was a swell change of pace and swings a mean lipstick lipstick. I suppose that in the next town the Yankees enter they will find a squad that has a female impersonator in the left field, a sword swallower at short, and a trained seal behind the plate. Times in the south are not only touchy but silly. Wow. Yeah, so so not not the best. Uh, so Ange came to bat and she was um, left-handed which made it difficult for left-handed batters to hit off of when she would throw the ball so come on lefties and (laughs) so up to bat came Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig have you heard those names? I've heard of them yeah huge players I think they're still like known as being some of the most famous players in baseball history I mean they're always on Jeopardy when we talk about baseball. I think they're always on Jeopardy, but they're basically like they some are. the only baseball players I know, so I always answer there. Okay. <laughs> so she threw... Okay, for some reason I've written three, four balls. I don't know whether it's meant to be three or four. So the first ball was too high. I threw four balls. The first was too high, and then the next three were all strikes. So they're... The strike bud. It means basically you throw it and they don't hit it. It just goes straight into the mitt. Okay. So very, very good. So I'm thinking of Wii Sports Baseball. I mean, yeah. It's just like, yeah. So when you throw it and then you don't manage to hit, well, I think you only play a hitter, yeah, don't you? Strike. <laughs> strike one. <laughs> and Babe Ruth didn't even make contact with the ball. Yeah. Oh. He got very angry about it, as you can probably as expect. He would. Yeah. The crowd loved it. <laughs> So then came on Lou Gehrig. This time, very quick, again, three balls, three strikes. So they didn't get a single hit off of any of the balls that she picked, right? So, amazing. You'd think everybody would have loved it. You'd think, yep, we've got to sign her right away. Uh, No, she was pulled from play straight away. But they did win the game. Makes sense. Yeah, right? So after the game... But Ruth said, I don't know what's going on if they begin to let women in baseball. Of course, they'll never make good. Why? Because they're too delicate. I would kill, it would kill them to play ball every day. So, uh, then in a few days' time, Commissioner Commissioner Keensaw Mountain Landis, I think his middle name was Mountain. Amazing. Um, <laughs> right? Well, it's uh, like the said, mountain. What, from Game of Thrones? Yeah, like. His first name, the middle name, Mountain, <laughs> and then whatever the last name of the hound was. Well, no, because the hound was someone different. The hound was his brother. Yeah, but they were brothers, so it's the same last name. What was their last name? I don't know. Steve? I'll come back to that. Their last name was Steve. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so the commissioner then said that baseball was too strenuous for a woman and her contract was cancelled. Oh, no. She was banned from major and minor baseball. Whoa, this is bad. Yep. That's not nice. Oh, yeah. Major League Baseball wouldn't actually ban women until 1952, but the ban lasted for 40 years. They just banned women completely. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, not all doom and gloom. I mean, mainly it is, but it's not all doom and gloom. So the New York Times printed after her performance, Cynics may contend that on the diamond, as elsewhere, is a place où dance. Perhaps Miss Jackie hasn't quite enough on the ball yet to bewilder Ruth and Gehrig in a serious game, but there is no sluggers in the Southern Association, and she may win laurels this season, which can be ascribed to, to mere gallantry. The prospect grows gloomier for misogynists so they were actually pretty nice unfortunately that didn't kind of do anything to help her get back into baseball again but yeah so she still played on um a few what were called barnstorming teams which were teams that from what i could gather didn't really have like a specific place that they represented Mm -hmm. so they weren't like they didn't play like home and then away the Mm -hmm. great show um but they more rep- they, they were just a team that would then travel around. Uh, okay. I think. Like so, a high school, no, not. 
Well, no, because high schools, be- high school teams are based at the high school. Yeah, that's why I retracted. <laughs> yeah, okay, no one noticed. It's fine. Um, so at twenty three, she quit baseball oh, because that's so she was just really annoyed that no one would take her seriously. They even once asked her to pick either from different sources I read, either from the back of a donkey, or whilst riding a donkey. I I couldn't quite understand which one it was, but basically they were just taking the mick out of her. So she went to go work at her father's optometry office. Is that the one with the glasses, optometry? I guess. Optician? Yeah, optical, isn't it? Yeah. Was it? So the. Is that podiatry? Well, there's two, isn't there? I always get confused between children's and pediatrics. Pediatrics and podiatry. And podiatry. But there's also. chiropractors as well that's your back how is it yeah watch two and a half Ah. men and you'd know oh okay well i mean i feel like i'm just gonna learn that from telling from you telling me i don't need to watch the show to find (laughs) it but thank you very much so the all-american girls professional baseball league formed in 1943 of which i was just looking up a little bit about them so they were from 1943 to 1954 their motto was do or die she's amazing straight to i'm very ride or die what is uh, that and they were the from? what do or die yeah is that a song i think so it's quite a, a famous kind of motto it's yeah, all like i just wonder if that's well. like where it comes from <laughs> what the song or like anything to do with it that's why i don't know but that team were the inspiration for a league of their own the film oh whoa i haven't seen the film but i've heard about me either and i really (laughs) i should have watched it but Mm. i didn't mitchell was 29 at the time and she was asked to join but she declined oh unfortunately so, and then obviously then during the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, they, baseball was cancelled, well, women were banned from baseball, then 1992, mm-hmm. until 1992, so yeah, 40 years later, when Carrie Schuler played for the Chicago White Sox in 1993. That's Ooh. a long time, 40 years. That's like, crazy. I know, it's awful. Mitchell died, unfortunately, before she could see that ban then be lifted. So she died in 1987, age 74, in Fort Oglethorpe. What's the name? I know, in Georgia. And there is a musical apparently written about her. It's called Unbelievable, which debuted in 2017 in New Jersey. But I scoured the internet. Couldn't find it. And I couldn't find a single thing about it. Oh, no. Which is annoying, but... So if you um, know if anybody anything... knows... Yeah, please send us something, because I want to know. And yeah, that is Jackie Mitchell. So it's not a happy story, but I, you know, I'm quite proud of her. She managed to, like, strike out two of the most notorious baseball players. That is amazing. Yeah, and then just shamed that nobody knows her name. It is awful. Yeah. God damn world. It needs... Fuck up. Yeah, book up. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But yeah, so that is Jackie Mitchell. Ooh. Cool. Thank you. Shall we take a break? Yes. Take yes. a break. Okay. Hey, see you in a bit. Welcome to STEM Fatale, your women in science history podcast. I'm Emlyn Gremlin. I'm Emma Dilemma. And we're two STEM PhD students <laughs> <laughs> trying to learn more about all the women that science history has overlooked. Every episode, we tell the story of a historical female scientist. We discuss their struggles, research accomplishments, and get into the crazy banana sexism they faced in pursuing their scientific dreams. Do you like stories about escaping from the Nazis? We got (laughs) them! Or stories about NASA's lack of understanding of the female body? Yeah, we got those too. We've got it all! So take a listen! And go go stimulate yourself! So, who is your person? Can I guess the sport? Yes. 
So first, because you said they were in the Olympics. Yes. So is it the Winter or Summer Olympics? Winter. Winter. Did you do bobsleighing? No. <laughs> oh. Skiing? No. Oh. I, I, ooh. Uh, oh, what's the, oh, what's the spinny one called? Ice skating. Did you do ice skating? Yeah, figure skating. You did ice skating. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so who did you do? She is called Sonia Henny. Okay. Henny, I, I don't know. I'm just going to go mm. with Henny. She was a Norwegian figure skater and a film star. Oh. So she won three gold medals in the Olympics. Mm. She was a 10-time world champion and oh my God. a six-time European champion. And she's won more Olympic and world titles than any other female figure skater ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then... That's unbelievable. I know. Christ. And then she also became one of the highest paying stars in Hollywood after her skating career ended. <laughs> what? Yeah, and I've never heard of her. And no, like, I haven't I, either. I've asked my parents and they've never heard of her or her films. But I'm I'm guessing because you know like we've had like big box office films that yeah. they make a lot of money but they don't actually be remembered. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. maybe they were kind of like them, but I don't know. Maybe it's just out of the British circles. Yeah, the good old British circle that uh, seems to ignore anything that's not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was born. On the 8th of April, 1912, mm-hmm. which was six days before the Titanic sank. Just Are those related in any way? No, did, I just thought it was a fun it? fact. <laughs> oh, okay. It's because I was like, that date is familiar. So I was like, when did the Titanic sink? And it was the 14th, not the 8th. Oh, uh, yeah. And she was born in Christiania, which is now Oslo in Norway. Oh, yeah. I didn't realise that changed its name. Me neither. Oh. And she was the only daughter of Wilhelm Henny, who was a successful furrier. A successful what now? Furrier. So, like, furs. Furrier. He sold furs, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, like animal furs. <laughs> that sounds almost like a pun, but that they tried to make the actual title... Yeah. <laughs> what are you? I'm a fur courier. I'm a furrier. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> and her mother was Salma Lopeman. I look think, really confused. Yeah, because I think she had a two two word last name, and I only Double wrote. Barreled. Yeah, I only wrote one of the words, so I think there was another word oh. on it. But I'm just gonna unless. Yeah, maybe her stage name didn't have the double-barreled, but her legal name did. But this is her mother, not... Oh, oh. I mean, there's nothing of significance about her, which I feel bad saying, but she, both of her parents uh, basically inherited their wealth. Okay. Um, and her father had been a one-time world cycling champion. That's pretty significant. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I couldn't find out how many siblings she had but they only mentioned one brother so I think there might just be the two of them but they were both encouraged to take up like a variety of sports from a young mm-hmm. age so she first showed a talent in skiing but then followed her older brother Leaf into figure skating her older brother was called Leaf? Yep or it could be Life L-E-I-F oh, okay. I just thought it sounded better calling Leaf Okay. <laughs> Fair enough, okay. And as a child, she was a nationally ranked tennis player. What? A, a skilled swimmer and an equestrian. That's overachieving. I know. And You can't have more than one. It was just... Yeah. But so when she began like training for figure skating, her formal schooling ended and she sort of took up the training and then her father would hired the best experts 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 <laughs> in the world to train his daughter 
which this included the famous Russian ballerina Tamara Karsavina. Oh my gosh. And this was to transform her into a sporting celebrity. Well, it worked. Yeah. I mean, some of this just seems like too insane to be true. It sounds like very much like a, a novel, if you know what I mean, like an, an 18th century yeah. kind of romantic novel, almost. Yeah. So she won her first major competition at the Senior Norwegian Championships at age 10. 10? 10. And then... No! The, the year after that, which is 1924, she was in the Winter Olympics... At age 11. No, 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 no. That's... I can't even remember what I was doing at 11. No, me neither. But to be fair, she did come last at the Olympics. But it's still the Olympics. But she kept... You have to qualify, yeah. I know. She kept going over, like, skating over to a coach to ask for directions. Oh. Um, But then by the next Olympics, she, she didn't need to do this anymore. She was well, professional. Yeah, I suppose at eleven years old. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing really. I would have kind of asked for help with every single thing. So, oh, I know. it's crazy. And then in nineteen twenty-seven, she won the first of the World Figure Skating Championships, and she was age fourteen. And from this, she won it every year for ten years. after that but in this first one there was some controversialness controversy (laughs) that's the one (laughs) because three out of the five judges were Norwegian oh and so the other girl who was like a lot older and I think maybe better okay um, was I think Austrian and there was Austrian and German were the other two judges and mm. so it worked out where they kind of just favoured their nations yeah. more. But it was, you know, I don't want to take it away from a 14-year-old. That's a bit mean. <laughs> I know. I mean, she had another nine years of it. So that's true. to be fair, losing one. But still, woo. Yeah. And then the year after this, so 1928, she won... The first of her three Olympic golds. Bloody hell. So she was 15. 15. Can you imagine, like, going back to school after, like, I don't know, on your summer holidays? What did you do? Oh, you know, I you know spent a lot of time at the beach. I, you know, went to see some sights. What did you do? I went to the Olympics and uh, won a gold medal. You'd be like, oh, it's on you. Yeah. I mean, one of the university policies for, like, ex... ex- extenuating circumstances was if you have Olympic Games, they can give you an extension on your deadline. How much extension? I'm just out of curiosity. I have no idea. I was, like, reading through them. I was like, what? <laughs> I really hope it's only, like, a week. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so you do your race and then you get back to your essay. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I want you to be doing it at the top of the slope. <laughs> and then she continued doing Olympics like from 1932 and 36, mm-hmm. uh, where she both she won the rest of her gold medals. She also won the European Championship for six years straight, from 1931 to 36. So this after she'd done the 10 years running of the World Championship? This is all, like, interspersed. Basically, it all okay. ends in, like, 1936, when she okay. retired from competing. At how old? That's only like what twenty? I can't do maths. But uh, yeah, twenty four. Twenty four. She's still like, I'll get onto it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. She, so no one has matched her with the three Olympic golds since, and no one has with the ten consecutive world championship wins either. But there was a Russian skater called Irina Slutskaya. Mm-hmm. who won her seventh European Championship in 2006, oh. so she overtook Sonia. Ooh. I know. But towards the end of her skating career, she started to be very much challenged by the younger skaters. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so specifically, there was a British skater called Cecilia College. Mm-hmm. College. And her there was, again, some small controversy with the last Olympics the win that she had, where Col- College was very close second. And there was oh. some disputes about the order of performing. So in the... She got... Sonia got the last place, so that she, I don't know if that's significant, but then Cecilia got the f- second, as in, like, the running order of performances. Okay. But still, like, somebody's got to come somewhere, if you know what I mean. They could... Yeah, but it was meant to be yeah. random, but they think it was a bit rigged. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like, like... I mean, it's not the same, but it kind of reminds me of at the at Eurovision. There's a specific spot, like order, where no one has ever won. Really? Yeah. Like I can't remember what number it is, but every year they always mention like, oh, this is this one. They're in this spot. They've never won. And I don't know whether they specifically put acts there that are not as good, <laughs> or what. But yeah, they've just never won. Whoa. I mean, that. that's kind of not similar at all, but it's kind of. So, uh, during her competitive career, she, like, travelled around a lot, and she worked with mm-hmm. lots of different coaches in different places. Then she would also be a performer rather than competing, and she'd do, like, figure skating exhibitions in both Europe and North America, which were becoming quite Ooh. popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And she became so popular... When she was in Prague and New York, the the police had to be called out because the crowd <laughs> was a bit out of control. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and because the appearance appearances that she do in like these performances were it was like an open secret that it was oh. you just do it out of like just for fun. Or you yeah. wouldn't expect to be paid for it. I was going to say, by the way that they, like, you said the police had to do, like, crowd control. It's like, oh, was it not, like, an actual, like, booked sporting kind of thing? I think but it was... no, she just, like, turned up? No, it was, it was, like, an arranged thing. It was just that she, it was, because you're meant to be doing it out of, like, amateurism. Okay. But her oh, father okay. was demanding money for her appearances both her parents gave up their jobs and stuff in norway so they left leaf to run the business oh oh and they just accompanied sonia on her travels and acted as her managers i mean that's pretty i can't tell if that's like really really bad for leaf that obviously he's like been left behind so that his family can go and do things elsewhere or whether he was just loving it he was just like yep got a business <laughs> i mean my own place <laughs> probably they seem pretty well yeah. off so he probably has yeah. this nice big house to himself now sounds great mm. oh and she is credited to be the first figure skater to adopt the short skirt costume oh yeah and what did they wear before longer skirts Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry, I'd like, in my head for some reason, I was like, what, they wear tracksuits? And also the white boots as well. Wait, they used to wear that or she adopted that? I think she adopted that or she's credited with adopting it. Whoa, that's like an iconic image Mm -hmm. of the figure skating there. Yeah. Whoa. Have we never heard of her? I know, it's so like, so much of this podcast is just like, how haven't we heard of her? Yeah. Uh, and she also made use of like dance choreography as well, mm-hmm. which become much more accepted and like part of the tradition. But she was a very innovative figure uh, for the sport. And a lot of the stuff she did transformed the sport into what we kind of know it is now. Yeah. So yes, that is kind of the end of her skating prof- uh, as like a... a co- um, what is it called? Career. No, as in competitions, because she still skates. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So after the the World Championships in 1936, 
She mm-hmm. she gives up her status as an amateur actress and becomes a professional one. Okay. So when she was still a child, she decided that she wanted to move to California and become a movie star. When her competitive We've all had that dream. days were done. <laughs> no, but she incorporated becoming, yeah, I'll go to the Olympics, then when that's done, I'm going to go to Hollywood. And then yeah, did it. Like every, every kid's dream is that, what do you want to do? I want to be a sports player. I want to be an actress. The only thing that was missing was, like, a princess. Yep. Wait, that's... No, it's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? And she... So she did that, and she moved to America. Mm-hmm. And she did... California. California, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she did successful eye shows in Los Angeles... Oh, no, this specific one in 1936 was arranged mm. by her father to, in order to, like, launch her film career. So they'd arranged for a Hollywood studio chief to be there. And he he was, and then he signed her straight after. Whoa. For a, long, a long-term contract at 20th Century Fox. And this is what Blimey. made her one of the highest-paying actresses of the time. Mm-hmm. So her first film was called One in a Million. Okay. It came out in 1936. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about the film. I didn't find that out. But it, like, skyrocketed her into fame, pretty much. In- yeah. I suppose, like, sports still has kind of, like, a niche um, viewership, especially, like, winter sports. Yeah. I think so, yeah. the films were made so that her figure skating was in them in oh, some okay. way but not always because she i think she was sort of cast was it typecast as yeah like rom-com musicals was what yeah. she was put in after she'd done a few films she then started to insist that she'd be in control of like the dance or like the skating numbers she'd have mm-hmm. i mean that makes sense yeah and then she did. She tried to break out of the the musical comedy mold with this. It was an anti-Nazi film. Oh, nice. Yep, called Everything Happens at Night from nineteen thirty nine. Then she did It's a Pleasure, which came out in nineteen forty five, which is a skating variation of the Star Is Born, A Star Is Born tale. Oh, nice. Yep. And it was that was her first film in shot in Technicolor. Ooh, oh! But it didn't do that well at the box office, and it also like showed her limits as a dramatic actress because it was much more of a dramatic role. Mm-hmm. So they never cast her in any more like dramatic roles again. They kind of, well, the the head the chief said that he put it in like pseudo dramatic roles. Which what's the pseudo dramatic role? It's like you think it's a dramatic role, but it's actually not. What? Okay. I don't. This isn't relevant. I'm just. Okay. I'm just saying. (laughs) But she did a lot of. I think relatively famous music. She did a film, with you know, in the mood. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, she. It was involved in the film that that was from. Which is Sun Valley Serenade. And then she's nice. in a bunch of more films. Mm-hmm. And then she she formed a business with someone called Arthur Wirtz. A business? Yeah. Just Well, it's a business because... arrangement. And okay. he and her would produce touring ice shows. Ah. Which was called the Hollywood Ice Review. Okay. And... Wirtz was also her financial advisor, and at the time, figure skating wasn't a big like entertainment form in the United States. Okay. So this is kind of the thing that kickstarted the yeah, interest, as along okay. with her films as well. Oh, so both of them together. Nice. Cool. And she she continued that throughout the forties. And 
she she earned about two million dollars from her shows. Woo! Yeah, it's what what I mean. That's in then money. Yeah, I have no idea so what that is now, but it's probably a lot. I know times it by three. Yeah, yeah, and she did loads of endorsements and like clothing, jewelry, dolls, stuff like that as well. Christ. Which made her one of the wealthiest women in the world at the time. And we still never heard of her. Yeah. She then like broke off this arrangement with Works in 1950 and for the next three seasons of the tours she produced it under the name of Sonia Henny Ice Review. But this, okay. this wasn't a great decision because Wurtz was in control of all the venues, so she Ooh. struggled to get the good venues and locations and stuff, and he found a different Olympic champion called Barbara and oh. Scott to kind of fill in her space. The snake. I know. How petty. Yeah. So she was left doing smaller venues... And, like, because the market had grown now, because she'd sort of created it, there was other touring shows going on, so, like, the Ice Capades were a thing. Oh, so, yeah. So she kind of, like, worked herself out of a job. Victim of her own success. Yeah. And then, apparently, a bleacher collapsed in one of the shows in Maryland, um, which... Okay. Yeah, which, like causes a lot of legal and financial troubles. Yeah. So then she stopped touring in the US and then she formed a new partnership with Morris Chalfin and they went and toured around Europe under Holiday on Ice, which was very successful. (laughs) And then they tried to do a South American tour in 1956, which was a disaster. Oh, I mean... South America, ice. Yeah. It's, it's very hot there. That's true. Um, I just yeah. thought that the people wouldn't be interested. I honestly never considered the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine she, like, she was expecting it to be like the same as Norway. She just stepped off the plane and was like, I don't get it. What, what's happening? <laughs> what is this strange planet? Are we on Mars now? <laughs> we, we bought the ice with us. It didn't survive. <laughs> But during this time, she was drinking a lot and she couldn't really keep up with the demands of touring. So this kind of marked her retirement from skating. He's like a star is born. Yeah. And she she tried to make a film series like on her own, using her own uh, her own money. And it was meant to be a, a travel log of several cities around the world. And one okay. was made called Hello London. Can I guess where that was set? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Was it still in South America? Yeah. yeah you got it. it. <laughs> yes. But there was meant to be ones in Paris as well and like New York mm. and stuff. But only that one got made. And then she released an autobiography. Well, it took a few years to get translated because it was in Norwegian. Oh. And then that was republished in 1954. So I didn't know where to put this bit, but it was like a significant part of the, <laughs> of the research. And it was just entitled Hitler Controversy. Oh, I mean, I feel like that probably could have gone at the anti-Nazi film. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, it's called Nazi Controversy. Oh, okay. So basically, she had some connections with Hitler. Wait, 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 wait. it's not. It's, I was like, oh no, this woman, she was doing yeah. so well, and now she ruins it by being a Nazi. But no, 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 it's okay. She just, I, I don't want to defend her, but I'm just gonna say what it is. So she, she made connections with Hitler like before World War Two. But that doesn't defend. No, 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 her. it's not. It's not. I mean, it's still going. It's still going. <laughs> Okay. Um, so she, when she was like touring around and doing amateur skating, she performed in Germany and was like a favourite mm. of German audiences and Hitler personally liked her a lot. Right. And so because she was such a wealthy celebrity, she got into like big social circles of like royalty and 
Hitler's acquaintance just happened to be involved in that. Okay. So, she... What she did do, though, at the 1936 Olympics was Mm -hmm. she did the Nazi salute to Hitler, which a lot of the other, like, contestants didn't do. They refused. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um... (laughs) That... Yeah. Yeah. But then, after the games, she was invited to lunch with Hitler at his home. Yeah. And he, he gave her a gift of his autographed photo with a lengthy inscription. Gross. And then the Norwegian press found out about this and they were not happy. Which is fair enough. Oh. Because I was kind of like equating it to kind of like modern day celebrities who Trump has taken a liking to. And who they've kind of like tried to distance themselves. But he's like, oh no, we're good friends. But no, that, 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 yeah, that's not good. Yeah, but in the revised autobiography that she she does, she includes mm. a bit about the, in the 1936 Olympics, there were no Norwegian judges, which apparently she was entitled to. Oh. So she defends herself by saying she was just trying to make the most out of that situation and then won her third Wait. gold medal which i don't what? i don't know if she's i get how that works because it's like she's got nobody no like judges who will be on her side and she knows that i guess if she shows to be a supporter of the nazis then germany will like vote for her but still like it was in berlin i, I think seems... i don't know if that changes anything still it just seems a bit i don't know like haha i have nobody here who's my friend i'll just be friends with the nazis (laughs) i think that's a good episode title (laughs) no one's my friend so i befriend the nazis i don't know if that's a good idea (laughs) (laughs) maybe not could give a very wrong episode uh, wrong idea about the episode yeah that's true (laughs) but she did in the film she made Everything happens at night. She mm. it was, I think it basically was showing Nazi Germany in a very bad light. Okay. And that it was then banned in Germany, straight away. Oh. So. Ooh. I think that's also meant to be like trying to prove that she yeah. wasn't a Nazi. That was her like trying to exonerate herself, I suppose. Yeah. And then she married someone called Dan Topping in 1940 and became mm. an American citizen from that. Okay. So she wasn't allowed to talk about Norway's cause in the war. Like, since World what War... What was Norway's cause? Well, World War Two. I'm not... What was Norway's cause? I actually don't know I, a I'm lot about... No idea, to be honest. But they were occupied by Nazi Germany. Oh, well, okay, that, yeah, fair enough, that explains it. Because um, if she did talk about Norway's cause, she'd get deported, basically. Bloody hell. So, when Norway were occupied, the German troops saw, like, Hitler's autograph in her house, which was very prominently displayed on the piano, which, <sighs> which could, in possible defence, be the... They did it purposefully so they wouldn't damage their house and raid it because that's what was happening to everyone else at the time. Okay. But so they they just didn't damage or confiscate anything from them. She was she was in America at the time and was Mm -hmm. like an actual US citizen at this point. So and she was very active in the I don't know what it's called, where there was like a big thing where the stars at the time would go out to the troops and talk to them and stuff. There's a whole season on on You Must Remember This that is entirely about the stars that went out and did stuff for the war, which... Yeah, I remember reading a lot because the Andrew sisters, I think, used to do a lot of that. Oh. I just realised, do you know who the Andrew sisters are? No. 
no, that's how I realised. You were just like, aha, uh-huh, but yeah, never mind. <laughs> Carry Wait, on. who are they? They were uh, these three sisters uh, who were singers, and I really, I'm like a, a bit too much of a fan of their music for someone who was born in 98. <laughs> but I, I'm a big fan. I have like their records and everything. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, she stayed in America because Norway, had, they called her Quisling, which translates to traitor, basically. <gasps> Whoa. That's harsh. Yeah. Which I'm not quite sure where that comes from because one they were invaded so are they is she a traitor to nazi germany or is it because she left so she's a traitor for leaving i assume it's because of leaving or that she hadn't uh, hitler's picture and so she's a nazi or that yeah i mean not a lot in her favor to be fair i wonder if she like you can't really ask someone (laughs) She's like, so what actually was I a traitor for? Yeah, it's all like, we're giving you this, this national nickname, and you just go, cool, um, explain it, please, <laughs> and then I'll be okay. And it's like, you're a traitor for this, you're like, cool, still on bad terms, but now I get it. <laughs> and so in 1953 and 55, she, she returned to Norway uh, with the Holiday on Ice tour, and... Ooh. The the Norwegian royal family made a thing about it, of them going to watch it, and because they were seen they as, like support yeah, okay so they were seen as like the role models for the society, so if they were okay with them in theory the rest of Norway would be. That's the little tangent of Nazis. <laughs> The little tangent of Nazis. That would be a good name for a book. Tangent of Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it's like that um that book you have, is it one on one? Oh yeah. It's called yeah. where it begins and ends with Hitler. I mean that kind of is a na- is the, the tangent of Nazis, I guess. Yeah. But that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she married three people in her life. And basically the only one that I'm going to... Oh, wait, I told you about Dan. Then there was another guy who I don't think is that relevant, so I'm just not going to mention him. That's fair enough. And then there was another one who was an art patron. Uh, He was Norwegian. He was called Niels Onstad. And Mm. they were married till she died. And so after she retired completely in 1956, her and her husband, Onstad... They settled in Oslo and they started collecting a a lot of modern art, mm-hmm. um, which formed the basis of the Henny Onstad Kunstcenter, which is the I think art gallery, which is near Oslo, which is still I think you can still go to it today. Uh huh. But it's uh, significant. That's quite cool. Mhm. So she was diagnosed with leukemia in mid nineteen sixties. Right. And then died from that in 1969 at the age of Mm. 57. It was actually during a flight from Paris to Oslo. She died mid-flight? Yeah. That's why they... How was she allowed to fly? Well, she was... At the time, she was planning a comeback for 1970 in... Is it... I think the film was Dr. Zhivago. Yeah. And Lara's theme, I think, is the significant one. And she was meant to do a big performance and dance to it, and that was meant to be her kind of comeback. Or just, Uh like, final farewell. I'm not really sure. But that's what she was planning, so she... But she died before that could happen. And... Whoa. She was buried with her husband when he died and on the hilltop that overlooks their art gallery oh yeah and she was regarded as one of the greatest figure skaters in history yeah and i mean yeah yeah a significant figure of norwegian history too and that Ooh. is sonia henny that's a lot there i know it was it just like, kept going and just like the sport as well yeah <laughs> 
I didn't know whether to talk about the film stuff, but then it kind of incorporates the, the sport, so I thought it was relevant. It would have been very out of character if you hadn't have mentioned the film like stuff. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> we do have a lot of new listeners. Yeah. So, hello there. From, from yeah, quite recent as well. Mm-hmm. So, hello. Thank you. It was... I cried a little bit, not going to lie. It was very nice. It was. I'm, I'm glad people are listening. Not that they weren't before, but a greater number of people. Yeah, it seems, yeah, it's, it's quite nice. It's nice to see because we've got like a, because you get to see the different countries that are listening as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I got really excited and I was like, oh, we have like Australia and Italy and Spain and Germany now there as well. Mm-hmm. We don't it's, have Norway really though. We don't have Norway. So you should get no, on that, have people. to try and find someone Norwegian. And we also have Tehran. Listen. Yeah. Right, specifically. Because I had a look as to where specifically was listening, and it was Tehran. I thought we just got quite excited about it. Because obviously you have the book. Well, currently I have it. <laughs> but it is reading Lalita in Tehran, which is a good book. Yeah. yeah. See, so, it's, yeah. it's calling you to read it. I d- yeah, I just, I need to sit down and make myself do it. It's just a long book. It is, and it, it's quite a slow read as well. Yeah. It's one that I could dip in and out of quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. But I still quite enjoyed it, though. Because the more you go on, the the group of women, you don't really know them, they're just kind of, they are the book club. Mm-hmm. But then, as it goes on, you hear their life stories and what's happened to them, and, like, the basically like, the mistreatment of women in this Iran occupation and what's going on and they all have like you see their personalities come out and you see their lives and what's happening to them and what they want to do and that's Mm. the good bit towards the end ah because i got to the bit where it's like just introducing them very quickly and talking about other things and i was like there's just a lot to remember here it's going to be difficult no i'll stick with it then yeah yeah who's it written by is it something nafisi oh i can literally tell you right now it's going to involve a bit of shuffling because then that can be our recommendation for the week. It can. I have it right here. It is Azar Nafisi, yeah. Yes. Azar. Would highly recommend. Yeah. And just a fun yes. fact, I found a ticket, two tickets in that book when I bought it. One was from, I think it was going to like Florida to Chicago, plane mm-hmm. ticket, and also a art exhibition ticket. Which was, I'm pretty sure, a New York exhibition about George O'Keefe. And I was just like, it's a very odd mix, but I love it. Wait, where did you buy the book? I bought it in Toronto. Oh, and I was like, oh, this book brilliant. has just travelled everywhere. I love it. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and now it's in yeah, Nottingham. It is, yes. <laughs> I know the most exciting thing I found in a book, this is really off tangent, was when I bought a copy of Watership Down. Mm. And inside was a, a, uh, a coupon up to two pence off cigarettes valid oh, until 1974 wow. i think it was Incredible. it was still like new because it had just been inside the book <laughs> the whole time so. that's fun when i volunteered at oxfam they had a mm-hmm. they because it was a bookshop so they had a box full of stuff that they found inside books <gasps> and so i would give anything to just go through that box i know it was like because they said every few years when they've got enough of it they create a mini exhibition about everything they found in it, I'm like, are you going to do one soon? Because I can do it for you. I would happily do well, that. <laughs> but they... well, You need to find out when it is. I'm going to go. <laughs> I know. I mean, you just have to follow them. It's one in York. Ooh. I have to have a look. Mm. Yeah. And they had, like, a small collection of random coins as well. So you had, like, loads of krona from, like, Denmark and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. It's very odd. You can find anything. Yeah. I found a phone number in one of my books. Did you call it? Please say yes. No, because I, I was too scared. I wanted to find someone <laughs> who would be willing to call it with me. <laughs> you should have just found somebody random and just been like, I will give you money, call this for me. <laughs> That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So I always get excited when I find uh, old postcards. And yeah. I'm like, I just really want to like write to that address and just be like, I found your postcard. But... Yeah. Anyway. I think that is that is a long episode. Yes. So, shall bid you all adieu. Yes. And till next time. Have a good time. <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs>
Bye. Bye. <laughs>